You are listening to the Flea Flicker Podcast. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Flea Flicker NFL Show. I am your host, Arif Umar. Uh, I am not joined by Amal Ronak this week. I'm not joined by anyone. This is a solo podcast. It's been around two months since I last recorded a podcast. It is March 15th, Sunday, March 15th, and let's just jump right into it. We're going to have a lot for the show today, um, starting off with the new CBA, the new collective bargaining agreement between the NFL Players Association and the NFL. We're going to hit on what changes that could potentially have and how this could really impact the future seasons. I'm going to talk about um, what I think every the biggest off-season storyline is for every team, where Three days away from NFL free agency officially starting. I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about two players that I think the Cowboys could potentially target um, at the uh, at a DB position. I'll leave that. And I want to talk about. I'm going to do this for every team, but uh, just an overall guideline for what I think all four of the NFC East teams, being the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins. I want to talk about a few steps that those teams could take to really improve um, from this point onwards. So let's hop right into it. So as of today, this morning, I woke up. The new collective bargaining agreement between the NFL Players Association and the NFL had just been signed. And pretty much the biggest changes that's going to be is there's now going to be a 17-game NFL season. Uh, so three preseason games instead of four. So you're cutting that down, pretty much tagging that game to the back of the season. Still only one bye week for the players, which that's kind of rough, but it, um, it is what it is. You're increasing the active game day roster from 46 players to 48. And um, the biggest change probably other than the 17 games is going to be the, um, the addition of an extra playoff game. So pretty much as of now, the, the playoff format goes, you have two conferences, NFC, AFC. Here you got the two conference winners. To, uh, top two seeds, top two seeds. Those two seeds get a bye. And then you got 3-4, three, 3-4, four, three, four, five, six, five, six on both sides. Um, now you're adding a seventh spot. And the first seed is the only team that gets a bye. So you have seven teams so total. So you have 14 uh, in between the two conferences. So you're adding two playoff teams and you're adding two playoff games for the wild card weekend. So I just want to talk about that really quick because I have a few opinions. So just hopping right into it. So if you're looking at how this would impact the this year's NFL season, so the 2019 NFL season, you would have the Ravens uh, in the AFC with a bye. The Chiefs, who were the Super Bowl winners, would not have a bye. And then you'd have the Chiefs facing uh, the seventh seeded Steelers, who ended the year with 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, You'd have the Patriots facing the Bills as – uh, which is what how you had the Patriots facing the Texans, which is what happened, and then you had the Texans facing the Bills. And the NFC only the Niners would have the first round by up on top. The Packers would not, and they would face the uh, seventh seeded Rams, who went nine and seven. And then you had the Saints and the Vikings, and then the Eagles and the Seahawks facing each other, which is the same as what happened in the real playoffs. So I want to highlight what this why I do not like this move. I think the NFL playoff format as to what it would have been, was probably the best playoff format other than Match Madness in, the NFL, uh, in all of sports, frankly. And you 
or going out of your way to obviously as your owner you're going to make more money for this which is you have two extra playoff games more teams make the playoffs but you're forgetting something you have 32 NFL teams and as of now almost half of them 43 44% of the teams according to the calculator are now making the playoffs 44 teams almost half the league you're watering down the game so you're getting an extra bad game so looking at the Steelers this year they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph Duck Hodges Mason Rudolph was garbage Duck Hodges was less garbage but still pretty garbage the Steelers were not a playoff team they didn't even deserve to sniff the playoffs and the fact is if they're playing a playoff game against the Chiefs it's going to be a bad game you're increasing, you're increasing the chance of injury for your higher caliber teams are making the Chiefs who are the eventual Super Bowl winners you're making them play an extra game. One of those t- top two seeds, you're making them play an, play an extra game, which is not, you're watering down the game contact, content pretty much. You're, you're going to get the Steelers and the Rams both. The Steelers were garbage, completely garbage. They were not a good team to watch. Boring. You're going to get another boring game. St- they had a good defense, to be fair, but I think Patrick Mahomes still would have carved them up anyway. And then you're not really adding much in the quality of football you're watering on the product and that's not something i think most nfl fans would want to see now like going back to the last few years um as of 2018 so two years ago the nine and six and one steelers would have made it the eight and seven and one vikings would have made it 2017 the nine and seven ravens and then the nine and seven lions 2016 the nine and seven titans and the nine and seven bucks led by james winston and then 2015, the 10 and 6 Jets and the 8 and 8 Falcons. You have a lot of eight. <coughs> you have a lot of eight and nine win teams in there, and that's not the quality of football you want to see. You're going to get lots of really big juggernaut teams rolling through these bad teams. It's not something that people are going to enjoy watching most of the time. Granted, and I think people are going to overhype this because of what the uh, the Titans did this year. But the Titans are one of the few teams to do it in recent history. In fact, going back the last five years, so from the 2015 NFL season onwards, the top two seeds, um, when they after their bye, they were 16 and four against other teams. Uh, they're in the wild in the divisional games. That's an 80 percent win percentage in a divisional game. They were steamrolling their opponents. That means that 20% of the teams who are coming in as that 5 and 6 seed or whatever it is, the lower seed, going up to play the 1 and 2 are losing their games. 20% are winning. 80% of the time they're losing. That's remarkable. And the fact is you are pretty much facing a juggernaut team against a garbage team and you're trying to say, oh, it's going to make more money. That's true. But you're ruining the validity of making the playoffs. Usually it has this pristine meaning behind it if you make the playoffs it's well you're one of those few elite teams in the league and the fact is that's no longer going to be a thing if almost half the league is making it um and just going back to my point the Steelers were not a good team this year you have the Jets making it the eight and eight teams like the Falcons eight and eight win teams like the Vikings eight seven and one in 2018 that's not those are not the teams you want making the playoffs and you're ruining this almost sacrosanct like holy ground in sports by adding more teams unnecessarily now going on to 
just talking about the bye a little bit more, over the last few years, uh, looking at the Super Bowl winners, um, looking at the championship games, they were almost all of them were played by the first and second seeds. So um, last year, AFC, uh, we had the, the Chiefs winning it. They were the second seed. 49ers winning it. They were the first seed. The Pats won it last uh, uh, 2018. The Rams won it. That Those are the first and second seeds. The Eagles and Patriots, when they played in the Super Bowl, they were both first seeds. The Falcons, they were the second seeds. The Patriots, they were the first seed. Uh, Patriots, Broncos, they were both uh, pack. No, Panthers, Broncos, both first seeds. These are all first seed teams, and that really shows how important that first round buy is. And again, like I said earlier, the Chiefs did not have under the new system. They would not have a first round buy. Who knows where that would lead us if they play an extra game, an extra time to get injured, an extra time to lose. We could easily be sitting here currently with the Chiefs not even making the uh, making the Super Bowl because of how this new seeding system works. Um, and like I said, 80% of the teams that had that bye week ended up winning their games. And by adding an extra playoff team, you're making the first, the first seed extremely important. And I think that first seed is extremely important. You're getting home field advantage, everything. But by making it so that's only a bye, that makes the, the first seed even more coveted. And I don't believe... It should be that coveted. The top two teams are, you know, each conference are right there with each other most of the time. Most of the time, it's sometimes it's just tiebreakers. Like in against uh in the twenty seventeen season, the Eagles and the Vikings, they were both thirteen and three, I believe, and both of them, they were the only difference was some nonsensical tiebreakers that were literally not a good differentiation between which team was the better team. They never played each other in the regular season. So, by making it like that, teams like, for example, like the Saints, the Saints this year, they lost, um, and they had the third seed this year instead of the second seed or the first seed, which, and I thought I thought they were the best team in the AFC in the NFC, and they lost in the first round to the Vikings, and they didn't have that first round bye, they didn't have extra time to rest, they didn't have extra time to game plan against their potential opponents, and that really damages what that team can do if. They don't have that first round by. So just moving on to some other pretty big changes. Um, the minimum salary has increased 20%. So I think the base salary was 510000 It is now 610000 So those practice squad bubble or roster bubble guys, those are they're getting a $100,000 pay raise. Good for them pretty much instantly. Um, um there's only one tag left. And so there's only the franchise tag and the transition tag now. Um, also, there's another almost inbuilt bye week, you can say, between the third preseason game and the start of the regular season. There will be an extra week in between those. Yeah, that's pretty much all the major things. And right now you're going to see a flurry of moves. Lots of these teams are waiting to see whether or not they could use certain tags, whether or not they could do this. And do certain things, and now that has been signed, we've already seen tons of big moves. I'm going to talk about a few of them when I talk about what I think every NFL team should do and their biggest storyline going into the NFL season. But before I talk about that, I want to give my final opinions of what I think about the CBA. I think for lower-level 
bubble guys. Um, it's good for players in general. They are they're getting slightly more money. They're going to be less practices where they're hitting. That has decreased from twenty eight practices to sixteen practices. Practices are now a half hour shorter. Those live action hitting practices, they're getting hit less. There's a less game. But I think something that would have really helped me like this this CBA from a player's perspective would have been having that extra bye week. You're playing an extra game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens about that. And I want to talk about what I think is a solution for a potential problem. So right now in the 16-game season, you have two teams. Uh, you have two, two types of games. You have home games where you're playing in your home stadium and away games where you're playing in your away stadium, in your opponent's stadium. So before that was split equally, eight games away, eight games at home. But now there's an odd number. You have 17 games. So I think a really good way to do it would be making it so each conference gets the extra bye week per year. So let's just say this year the NFC starts with it. They have nine home games, eight away games. Now then the year after it switches, so they'll have eight home games and nine away. And the AFC will have those nine home games instead. I think that's a good way of leveling it off just because that way the entire conference is not they have things going for them like it's all a level playing field like there's no way for them to say oh our division uh, rivals they got an extra bye week we they got an extra home game we didn't and we know those home games matter for teams like the eagles te- teams like not really now but in before the teams like the seahawks teams like the packers were Lambeau Field is such a big home field advantage for them where Aaron Rodgers had literally gone like months without throwing picks there. Um, that's something that home field advantage is well known. It's a really big advantage. And by giving it to everyone in one conference, you're pretty much making it equal for that conference. And that's not going to hurt the other conference much because they aren't going to be playing directly against that. Like playing against those NFC teams, they're not fighting those NFC teams for those uh, playoff spots they're facing within their own conference and not having it, everyone not having it and everyone having it makes it fair for both conferences. So there's my solution on that. So let's move on. So currently there are 32 NFL teams. I hope that doesn't change anytime soon because I love how this this system works currently. And I want to talk about the biggest storyline for every NFL team. And in the process, we're going to talk about some breaking news that happened earlier uh, earlier today. So let's jump right into it. So starting off with the New England Patriots. The biggest storyline for them is clearly what happens to Tom Brady. Will they re-sign Tom Brady? Or will they go another route? Will, will they go the Andy Dalton route? Will they go Jacoby Brissett route, bring him back to New England? Or will they just re-sign Tom Brady. Where does Tom Brady go? That is the biggest free agency storyline in the 2020 NFL uh, free agency market. That is the biggest storyline and in general, and I think that's going to be something very important for the future of the Patriots. Do they? My, my friend's a Patriots fan. Uh, shout out to Nate. He thinks that the Patriots won't be competitive anymore without Tom Brady and that it's probably better to rip off the Band-Aid earlier so that they can focus on rebuilding quicker versus holding on to him for a couple extra years uh, with a, a poor offensive team. I think I think Tom Brady's going to leave now. I used to think Tom Brady would stay. I think he goes now to a team like Oakland probably. 
Um, and I think if he leaves, it's going to be interesting to see what the Patriots do after that uh, as a quarterback pro, uh, as a quarterback solution, whether or not it's going to be someone like Andy Dalton, whether or not they tr- trade up and draft someone in the draft. It's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. Second storyline um, for the Dallas Cowboys, will they re-sign Dak Prescott? That is, that, that is probably the biggest storyline for them this year, but everyone knows Dak Prescott is going to re-sign with the, Patri- uh, with the Cowboys. They're just waiting on the new CBA to pass, which it just did. So give it a couple days. Um, I think Dak Prescott will be signed most likely within the next week. Uh, moving on to the 49ers. Will they fall to the NFC title curse? And you may say, oh, that's not really a thing. Let's flash back to 2015. You have the the uh, the Panthers. They completely crashed and burned. They didn't make the playoffs the next year in 2016. The Falcons completely crashed and burned, didn't make the playoffs again. You had the 2017 Eagles, and yes, they won the Super Bowl, but in doing so, they faced the Super Bowl hangover. And that didn't really help them much for their future plans in that 2017, 2018 year. You have last year, the Rams, they fell off completely. This year, their offense was not the same. They didn't miss the playoffs. This is a documented history. And unless you're the New England Patriots, this pretty much happens to most teams. And it would be interesting to see what the Niners would do in a pretty crowded NFC space where you have potential you have juggernauts like the saints uh packers you have potential juggernauts rising up in the cowboys eagles lots of rising teams in the nfc less teams that are on the decline it'll be very interesting to see if the niners can get back to that that height in the mountaintop and hopefully climb it this time instead of slipping while they're almost at the top now going on to another team the philadelphia eagles my team and the biggest storyline for them is, will they get offensive weapons to put around Carson Wentz? I'm completely biased, but I think Carson Wentz showed that he was the best quarterback in the NFC East last year by pretty much carrying a receiving core led by Greg Ward, who was former quarterback in Houston. Um, he carried that wide receiver corp to the playoffs. I want to see what Howie Roseman can do uh, after dropping the ball on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, missing on A.J. Uh, failing to draft A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf, one of those high-level receivers. You drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I still think he has hope, but you missed on that. You guaranteed Alshon uh, Jeffries money, and now we're about to release him or hopefully trade him. Um, and the fact is that Wentz needs more weapons to succeed. Right now, his, biggest, his best wide receiver threat is not even a wide receiver. It's Thackers, the tight end. So what will the Eagles do at the wide receiver position? That's the biggest question for them. For the Chiefs, similar to the 49ers, will they repeat their glory or will they fall to the Super Bowl hangover, which falls most teams, not nine the Patriots? Um, again, like I said, for the AFC, it's pretty similar. The Broncos fell off once Peyton Manning retired. Other than the Patriots, who literally made three Super Bowls in a row, you pretty much have people falling off in both conferences other than the outlier team will they repeat i think they do because pat mahomes is a generational talent and i don't i personally don't like him as a player but he is a great player and he's probably the best quarterback in the league so will they repeat probably 
not a Super Bowl, but I think they will be competitive and not fall into that Super Bowl hangover. Um, moving on, will the Packers help alleviate A-Rod's a- a- pain, A-Rod being Aaron Rodgers? Currently, his only receiving threat is Devontae Adams. They got rid of Jimmy Graham uh, that last week, the for- old tight end, former tight end of the New Orleans Saints, and the Seattle Seahawks. They got rid of him. Currently, their only threat is really Devontae Adams. They have some guys like Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Economia St. Brown, um, Geronimo Allison. You have these players. These are all fine wide receiver threes, in my opinion. And you need a good wide receiver two to put alongside um to put alongside Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was getting double um double teamed often. He was hurt this season and that very much hurt this Packer offense's ceiling. They did not have it, which they normally had. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. He's dropped off slightly, but he can still make those wow, what the hell just happened plays. And you need to put some tight ends, maybe target someone like Cameron Bray in the offseason, and maybe target someone in this rich draft class, like someone like Justin Jefferson or Denzel Mims from Baylor, Justin Jefferson being the wide receiver from LSU. Will they build up receiving talent around Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? That will be the thing to see. Now, moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. What will they do with their defensive line? I think that's their biggest question. Um, they have proven that they're not going to invest in the offensive line position much. And I think I think that right now, Jadavion Clowney being a free agent is big news for them. The news just broke that they are trying to re-sign him this year uh, offseason. What will they do there? Um, they are currently the Vegas odd favorites to... Trading for Yannick Ngakwe, the Jaguars' defensive end that was just franchise tag this week. So, what will happen there? Um, will they re-sign him, uh, him being Jadavion and Kalani, to a big deal to shore up that defensive line? They were one of the worst defensive lines when it came to generating pressure and getting sacks, and Jadavion and Kalani really helped do whatever little things he could do. He's a pretty elite player, and I think Jadavion and Kalani or Yannick Ngakwe could really help that team figure things out. Um, moving on to the Raiders, uh, the new newly host founded Las Vegas Raiders. It's going to be a while to get. Uh, it's going to take a while to get over that. No longer them being the Oakland Raiders. Um, what will they do with Derek Carr? Um, Derek Carr is John Gruden says a lot of good things about Derek Carr. He says a lot of sort of sus things about Derek Carr. Will they keep Derek Carr? Right now, the new, the new, uh, the New England Patriot quarterback Tom Brady is about to hit free agency. Lots of people think that he could potentially end up in Oakland. What will they do with that QB position? I personally think they do keep Derek Carr and see what they have with him for one more season before they do anything crazy. John Gruden seems to mostly like him, but when push comes to shove. John Gruden has gone with old guys for this entire almost rebuild the last two years. They're a pretty well-run organization. Do they go out and does he sign someone he has a really good relationship with allegedly in Tom Brady or do they keep Derek Carr? It'll be interesting to see. Moving on for the Pittsburgh Steelers, what will they do with, at the quarterback position? Um, Big Ben showed that once he was hurt, he com- the entire season was ruined. And Big Ben didn't start off the season that hot either. Um, his first two games were not that good. He, he's recovering. Big Ben being Ben Roethlisberger, for people who don't know, 
Um, and he was recovering from er- elbow surgery, I believe. Their season pretty much s- fumbled the minute he was injured. Mason Rudolph is not the guy. Duck Hodges does not really have that much. He's not that much better, to be honest, than Mason Rudolph. So what do they do with the quarterback position uh, for the future? Because Big Ben is almost, he's in his late 30s now, mid to late 30s. What will they do? Will they potentially trade up and draft someone like Jordan Love? Will they hit the quarterback market, which is something I also want to talk about before free agency starts, with there being a very rich quarterback market this year? And do they just not do anything and stick with Big Ben and hope that he stays healthy and Maybe they can invest resources, uh, heavy resources early into positions of other need and go all out and try to win a Super Bowl. Uh, we will see. For me, the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, their biggest storyline right now is Stephon Diggs. Um, Stephon Diggs, he, in the playoff, in the wild card game against the New Orleans Saints, which the Minnesota Vikings won 26-20 in overtime with an overtime touchdown pass thrown to Kyle Rudolph. Um, Stephon Diggs was on the sideline, and he was clearly unhappy. He had not caught a pass for almost two to three quarters, I believe. He was not happy. And ever since that, um, even before that, there was shade being thrown at uh, Minnesota Viking quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, this is before he went off and had a pretty good year later on in the year. But early in the year, there was tensions between both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and their quarterback, um, Kirk Cousins. Right now, Stephon Diggs is hinting at a trade a lot. There's lots of rumors swirling around him. Um, he just got signed to a large deal recently within the last one or two years. Stephon Diggs being the wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings, who will probably have one of the best wide receiver duos in the league with him and Adam Thielen, will they keep Stephon Diggs or will they trade him to a team like the Eagles or a team like the Patriots, something like that? What will happen with wide receiver Stephon Diggs? That is a very interesting storyline to see. Um, The other day he was posted a picture working out in Cardinals gear. Um, He deleted a comment about it saying he was working out with his brother, I think his brother being Trevon Diggs, the new cornerback uh, in this year's NFL draft who was working out with the Cardinals, he said that the only shirt he had to work out with was in a Cardinal shirt. Um, whether or not you believe that, that's besides the point, but he, there is lots of rumor surrounding on Stefan Diggs. He's a pretty big character. So will the Vikings keep him? We shall see. Moving on to the Giants, will Joe Judge work? Um, Joe Judge, I watched tons of interviews for him. I loved the stuff he said. Um, if you really want a really in-depth look about what people think of Joe Judge, go to um, Zach Schaumler's channel, um, Strong Opinion Sports. I really enjoyed him and how he broke down all the press conferences and what he said, uh, what Joe Judge said. Joe Judge is bringing this very good vibe to the Giants currently. And I don't really like it as an Eagles fan, but he's bringing that hard-nosed Bill Belichick almost style where... He's also accepting things that he doesn't know. He's accepting, he's willing to hire coaches who are willing to teach him new things, innovative things. He's willing to take an L, I guess you could say, and accept that he doesn't know everything. And he's he's very somber and like solemn and stern. And 
I think he could really help establish a really good culture in that New York Giants locker room. And we shall see. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. I don't think they're even close. But will Joe Judge establish a good culture and pretty start, start helping that rebuild? Um, we shall see. Moving on to the Chicago Bears, will they stick with Mitch Trubisky? All signs point to them doing so. I think that you got to rip off the Band-Aid as quick as possible, using that analogy twice already in the last 30 minutes, but it is true. Rip the Band-Aid off as quickly as possible, no anesthesia. You made a mistake. You should have drafted, if not Patrick Mahomes, you should have drafted Deshaun Watson. At least he was the better prospect coming out of college anyway. You missed on both those players to draft Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback from UNC, and he has not panned out. He's had some highs, but he's had way more lows where he's just making wrong reads, throwing it to the wrong people, throwing a double coverage consistently, just not doing much. He has pretty good legs. I'll give him that. He's pretty athletic, but he's not succeeding at the quarterback position. And right now they're in a very much a win-now mode, and Mitch Trubisky's holding them back. So... Will they stick with Mitch Trubisky or will they sign someone to compete with him? Someone like a Marcus Mariota or someone like an Andy Dalton who might, who I think is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. What will they do? Will they bring in someone to compete with him? I think they probably will. All reports are saying that they will, but will they? Will it just be a competition or is all this facade? Is all this a smokescreen and a facade for potentially moving on from Mitch Trubisky? We shall see what happens there. Moving on to the Cleveland Browns. Um, the biggest storyline for them is they got a new head coach in Kevin Stefanski, but I think the biggest thing is will quarterback Baker Mayfield, who's going into his third year, take a leap? Um, he sh- his rookie year quarterback, Baker Mayfield, was drafted first overall from Oklahoma, and he pretty much popped off. He broke Andrew Luck's passing touchdown record in two less games, so he played 14 games instead of 16 and broke that record, which, that's astounding. He probably would have won Offensive Rookie of the Year if Saquon Barkley didn't have, like, 2,000 scrimmage yards. So, this year, he, there was a lot of hype going into him. They they got OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., from the Giants in a trade. What There was lots of hype surrounding that team with Jarvis Landry as well, and they let down. Baker Mayfield had a very bad year. He threw... I think 22 interceptions or 21 interceptions, something like that, which is unacceptable as a quarterback. You cannot be turning the ball over that often. So there's lots of things about Baker Mayfield potentially losing weight. He tried to bulk last offseason and that hurt his mobility or whatever it is. He was kind of fat and had a dad bod, to be honest. Will he learn from that? Will he work out, lose weight? Will he grind? Will he stop maybe shooting commercials and instead working on the uh, working on the offseason, grinding as hard as he can. Will Baker Mayfield put the work in outside of practice, outside of games, in the offseason? Will he do the hard work to be great? And from all the interviews I heard from him at the Super Bowl, I think he will. I think I'm pegging it down. Baker Mayfield will be a really pleasant surprise going into the 2020 NFL season. Moving on to their division rivals, the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the biggest question isn't even about them. It's about other teams. Will other teams be able to crack 
that Lamar Jackson offense or will it keep running away with the league? Um, the Titans were able to successfully do it against, but for about 10 weeks of the NFL season, the for over half the NFL season, the Ravens were running away. Lamar Jackson won MVP this last year. He had something like 45 total touchdowns, which is remarkable. He had like 1,300 rushing yards, which is literally unheard of at the quarterback position. So will this new running style of offense with Mark Ingram being a nice thumper and Lamar Jackson being that nice slash and dash for that team, will that continue or will teams crack this high-flying offense and find a way to stop it? Um, Lamar Jackson... I don't. Th- I think he will fall off just because his TD percentage was uh, throwing the ball was really high, something like nine percent, and the average is around five to six. I think that falls off. I think he will still have a great rushing se- a season, but the biggest question for that team is: Will that team be able to keep it up, or will teams crack it? Um, I think they will keep it up for whatever my opinion matters, but. Um, Moving on to the Denver Broncos. Will Drew Locke be the featured quarterback? Will Drew Locke be locked in to the future quarterback position of the Denver Broncos? Um, Joe Flacco just ain't it. He doesn't have an arm anymore. Lots of people think he's just paying for a, playing for a paycheck currently. Um, he was bad last season. I think Drew Locke finishing the season, his last three or four games were solid games he wasn't remarkable in them but he has massive talent and I watched some Drew Locke film last year uh, going into the draft I liked what he could do he was very raw but he had that ability to make wow plays and I think if they have a good coach there on the offensive side of the ball I believe they signed Kyle Shermer the per uh previous offensive mastermind you could say a very good offensive coach for uh and former head coach from the New York Giants he is a very good offensive coach he's a not a good head coach from both his failed stints with the Cleveland Browns and the New York Giants he's not good at that but he's a very good offensive mind and I think he could very much help that Denver Broncos team reach a new level um going on to the Redskins similar to what Joe Judge uh what I said about Joe Judge Will the Redskins' new coach, Ron Rivera, from the Carolina Panthers, be able to stabilize that franchise, or will it fall apart? And they made some really good moves. They got rid of uh, VP or, uh, or slash GM Bruce Allen, who was bad for about a decade. They literally made it to two wild card games, and that's their height of what that team could accomplish. Um, Ron Rivera is a very good coach. I don't think he gets credit around the NFL I, th- I think that might be the best coaching hire other than another coach who I'll talk about later um, will Ron Rivera establish that nice culture in that team I think frankly I think that Joe Judge I think the Redskins made the best head coaching decision in the NFC East this year with th- the three other coaches Mike McCarthy from the Cowboys and Joe Judge for the Giants I think he'll establish a good culture there and I think he will work out. They're not going to win a lot of games this season. They're not a very talented team. But will Ron Rivera stabilize that? That is the biggest question going into the 2020 NFL season. Um, 
for the New uh, New Orleans Saints, what is their biggest problem or storyline for them this year? I think they have to start looking at Drew Brees' re- uh, replacement. He already hinted at retirement this year, and the fact is he's probably going to retire after the season no matter what happens. I hope he wins the Super Bowl before he does again, but you have to start thinking about it. People are saying that maybe Taysom Hill, the 30-year-old quarterback, who's thrown like 13 career passes, is going to be the future for that team. I highly doubt he will be the future. Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to get a big contract uh, in the free agency market this year. So what will you do in the future? Do you want to still stay competitive? Do you want to draft a quarterback now, or do you want to go all in and maybe sign someone as a free agent? Maybe go after someone like P.J. Walker, the Houston Roughneck XFL quarterback, who was MVP of the year before Literally, all sports got shut down for the coronavirus. Will they go that route? Will they go another free agency route? Or will they draft someone this year or in the future? And will they do anything at the quarterback position? Um, That's the biggest question. Moving on to the Bills, very similar to the um, Philadelphia Eagles, the Buffalo Bills. Will they put talent at wide receiver around Josh Allen? Just talent in general. They have Devin Singletary. He's an exceptional running back, and I believe he will be Shady McCoy 2.0 for that team up there in Buffalo. They have John Brown, who is a pretty speedy guy. They have Cole Bleasy, he's a slot receiver, but outside of that, they don't have that big-name wide receiver threat. And watching that Houston um, Texans playoff game, I'm going to be honest, I was very much impressed by Josh Allen. Uh, we played, Philly played him, I believe, week, week 9 or week 10 in the NFL season, and he did not impress me at all. He was missing passes. He had very high pocket awareness, though. I'll give him that. He was moving around the pocket, buying time like crazy, but he was consistently missing throws. And he was hitting more, way more throws in that playoff game than otherwise he was maybe a month or two months previous. That is very impressive to me. And I think Josh Allen could have a very good year three. Um, I was wrong about Josh Allen, to be honest. I thought he was going to be a bum. He couldn't throw the ball accurately, but he's very much surprised me. He has that. He can potentially have that ceiling, but will they draft someone like LaVisca Chanel or Denzel Mims, someone in the wide receiver, maybe go for Henry Ruggs and trade up? Will they draft someone to put around Josh Allen and help him help go the Matt Ryan route where they had Matt Ryan as a rookie and they went out and drafted Julio Jones pretty early in his career? And look where that's gotten them for the, almost the last decade. Those two have been very good, almost won a Super Bowl together. Will the Bills go in a similar route and help put wide receiver help around Josh Allen? We will see. Um, so going on to the Dolphins, their biggest offseason question for me is, will they actually draft to Otago Valoa? Um, and this may not be a crazy big question, but to me, I think the question's, Easy. I think Tua Tagovailoa, if he had, he had not gotten hurt this year, I believe he would have been the first overall pick over Justin, uh, over Joe Burrow, uh, the quarterback from LSU. Will they draft Tua from Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa? I believe they will. They need a quarterback um, to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick with, the bearded boss. Um, and for me, this isn't really a storyline, but... I think it's not even a question mark. That will definitely happen, and it should happen. That team will be much better with Tua. Um, 
going on to the Detroit Lions, is Matt Stafford the QB of the future? And that's another big storyline, but I think another bigger storyline for them is Matt Patricia really the head coach for the future. Matt Patricia has done very little. I think someone like the offensive coordinator from Kansas City, um, I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, I'm forgetting his name. The, um, the African-American head coach from um, Kansas City, he is very good. Why is someone like that not getting a chance versus someone like Matt Patricia, who's literally has like won maybe six or seven games in the last two years? I'm not really sure what he's doing. He's It's not really a well-run organization. They're a joke. They're finishing in the top five to ten every single year. Um, I think the bigger question for them is Matt Patricia, their future head coach. And the secondary question being Matt Stafford, the QB of the future. Will the Lions draft Someone like Tua Tagovailoa, will they trade down or will they sign someone in free agency? Matt Stafford was very good until he missed the last half of the season, the last eight games with a back injury. I think they keep Matt Stafford, but I think Matt Patricia will go after this season. Um, moving on to the Titans, um, will they keep Derrick Henry? And I think uh, before this, I wrote, I've written these notes down before today. And as of today, breaking news, not really breaking because it's been maybe like 10 hours, but the Patri- the Titans, Tennessee Titans have signed quarterback Ryan Tannehill to a four-year extension, giving him $29.5 million per year, which is a lot of money for Ryan Tannehill. I think they slightly overpaid, but they had stuff working out for him, and it was working very well for him. So good signing if they can keep that offensive mojo going. So the biggest question right now is Derrick Henry. Will they sign resign him? I believe they will resign him, and I believe the Titans will be back. Mike very, very Mike Vrabel is a very he's an excellent head coach, and I think they'll have that a nice culture going down there in Nashville, Tennessee. Going to the Rams, what are their plans for the future? Um, the Rams have pretty much screwed themselves. They've given up all their high picks. They pretty much have no picks in the future next two or three drafts. They have invested lots of money into very few players. They just traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, um, and they're going to pay him because you can't just trade for someone who's in the last year of his contract and not pay for him, uh, the last two years of his contract and not pay for him. They will for sure pay him. They will have to pay him. They're, they're going to have lots of cap invested in Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, who was pretty much doesn't have – he's not the same after his arthritis in his knees. Uh, Jalen Ramsey now, you're going to invest money in someone like Andrew Withworth, who is old. You went all in on the win-now mode. What is your plan for the future? For me, that's the biggest storyline. Will they be able to dig themselves out of this hole? They missed the playoffs after making the Super Bowl this year and they were, last year, and they were extremely disappointing. Will they be able to dig themselves out of the hole? I personally think that they messed up big time, and they placed too much power into winning now. And frankly, they don't have much depth on that team. They're about to lose Corey Littleton, that starting linebacker. That team is a huge question mark for me. So will they be able to do something for the future or will they fall back to mediocrity? Moving on to the Panthers, will they stick with Kim Newton or will a new head coach, Matt Rule from Baylor, will he go the full rebuild mode? Um, there's lots of reports coming out that 
people are saying they should trade Christian McCaffrey as well. Will they get rid of former NFL MVP Cam Newton? Or will they keep him and not go into that full rebuild mode? Or use, will he be the quarterback of the future? Personally, I do not want a Cam Newton who can't run the ball to be a pocket passer. He's not going to be able to win very many games. The whole, the whole question to me is, will Cam Newton be healthy? I believe Cam Newton will actually get traded to a team like L.A., L.A. being the Chargers. And I think the Panthers are going to go full rebuild mode. Matt Rule was a great head coach in Temple. He turned that program around, turned around Baylor completely. I think he will do the same for the Panthers. It's not going to be a quick process. They're not going to win many games this year as well. But I think they will let Cam Newton go. And they will move on and completely rebuild that team. For me, will um, for the Jets, the New York Jets, the biggest storyline is Sam Darnold year three. Will he have a year three jump or will he fall predator to the Adam Gaze curse? I'm pretty much think he will fall credit, uh, under the Adam Gaze curse. I think Adam Gaze is going to get fired next offseason, to, to be completely honest. He's a, a terrible pick at head coach, completely garbage. He's done nothing during his career. Um, and frankly, it's sad to see someone like Sam Darnold who has that talent falling credit to um, falling, losing peak years of his early career to a person who can't run a functioning offense correctly. So will Sam Darnold take that year three jump? Will they put talent around him? Will Adam Gase be good enough for him? Probably not. Sad to say, I think Sam Darnold is probably going to have to learn another playbook by year four. Um, and will fall to the Adam Gase curse like most quarterbacks do. Um, moving on to the Houston Texans. Um, are they done after those poor trades last year? They traded like a second round pick for Duke Johnson, who really didn't play that much. They traded for Laramie Tunsil and traded away lots of pretty big future first round picks. They don't have many picks because of the Deshaun Watson trade. Are they done? They went full in. They made um, head coach Bill O'Brien their pretty much their GM. I think he is officially now the GM. They went all in this year, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. They were very much a team that had the peak of being a divisional round team that gets eliminated by a team that's far better than them, and that's exactly what happened. Um Will the Texans be able to reach another ceiling? I think Deshaun Watson is so great that he gives them a floor. But what is their future plan? What are they trying to do? I don't know. No, honestly, that's a question I can't answer. So we shall see what they do going on in this offseason. They just signed, re-signed Bradley Roby to a three-year $36 million deal, I believe. Good pick, for, uh, good money for him. Good pickup for them. He's a pretty solid cornerback. We shall see what they do. Um, moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. Is Dan Quinn truly on the hot seat? I believe Dan Quinn, head coach Dan Quinn, former Super Bowl contender, former NFC champion head coach. Um, I think he's currently on the head uh, on the hot seat. What does he bring to the team if his, him being a defensive play caller, if he couldn't even do something simple as simple as, you know, calling good defensive plays. He handed off defensive playing call duties, uh, play calling duties, uh, 
off to his defensive coordinator later in the season, and that Atlanta Falcons team took up a complete 180. Their defense was much better. They started winning actual games, which is surprising based on the first eight weeks. Um, what does Dan Quinn bring to this team if he can't even call good defensive plays? I believe Dan Quinn is on the hot seat, and I believe they don't win this year. They don't make the playoffs this year, and that's crazy because almost half the NFC makes it this year. If they don't make it, um, it's going to be interesting to see if Dan Quinn has a job. Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals, um, it's going to be year two of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, head coach Cliff, uh, head co- the head coach being Cliff Kingsbury and the quarterback being Kyler Murray. What happens there? Um, I honestly am interested to see what they would do with their number eight pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Will they reunite Kyler Murray with former uh, college receiver C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma? Um, will they draft an offensive lineman because they have probably the worst offensive lineman in the year in the league? Will Cliff Kingsbury be able to keep this play calling going? Will they be able to take a jump forward as an offense? What will they do as an entire offense? That's my biggest question for the Cardinals. Um, Kyle Murray was pretty pretty good, I liked him last year. Cliff Kingsbury, also pretty good. Will they be able to keep that going and take another step forward? That is the biggest question for the Arizona Cardinals. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts, um, will they stick with Jacoby Brissett? Quarterback Jacoby Brissett had started off pretty well the first four weeks of the year, kind of tailed off. Um, lots of rumors about potentially former LA Charger, former San Diego Charger, whatever Charger uh, quarterback Philip Rivers potentially moving there and becoming the starting quarterback. Starting quarterback, what will they do with the quarterback position? My friend is a Colts fan. Shout out to Amal. He thinks they'll draft someone like Justin Herbert or Jordan Love later in the NFL draft. Um, what they do with quarterback is the biggest question for the Colts, and we shall see what head coach Frank Reich decides to do. Moving on to the Bengals, this isn't this is the biggest storyline. It's not very quite a very much a question, but the biggest storyline for the Cincinnati Bengals this season is: Will they draft quarterback uh, Heisman winner LSU quarterback? Joe Burrow, I believe they will. I think it's locked and loaded. He had the best quarterback season in college of NFL in all of college history last season. It's a no-brainer pick him. I still think that the Bengals are a very poorly run organization, and they're going to ruin his career, but it's a no-brainer to pick Joe Burrow. Uh, moving on to the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor or not. To Tyrod or not to Tyrod. Um what are they going to do with the quarterback position? Similar to the Colts and the Bengals. Um, will they get someone like Andy Dalton, the former Bengals quarterback? Well, potentially former Bengals quarterback. Will they go with Tyra Taylor, who probably won't be good for them? Will they draft Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or go in later and maybe draft someone like Jacob Eason, sign someone uh, like Jacoby Brissett? What will they do with the quarterback position? Biggest question for the team, what will they do with the most important position after letting go former franchise quarterback Philip Rivers? Uh, and very similar, again, to the last three ones, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What will they do with quarterback Jameis Winston? He threw 30 picks and 30 touchdowns last year, which 
is honestly kind of impressive because of how bad he was. He throws so many picks, but he still manages to make every pick look like the worst pick ever thrown in NFL history. It very much is a skill. Um, so do they keep, keep skillful, dub-eating quarterback Jameis Winston, or will they get someone like Phillip Rivers, who is also rumored to go there, will they go another route and draft someone? Again, quarterback is the most important position, and what will Bruce Arians do? I I personally think they will keep Jameis Winston and see what he would do in year two in that system. I think people are going to always think that they can fix Jameis Winston. I don't think he can be fixed. He's just going to keep being a turnover machine. But if you can cut those down, he could potentially be a decent quarterback. And then moving on to the last team, Jacksonville Jaguars, to Foles or to Minshew, what will they do down there? Will they go the mustache route? Will they go the BDN route with Nick Foles? Um, I don't know. I think they will go Gardner Minshew just because he was much better as a quarterback for them. But what was, what does the future hold for that team? What is the route for them? What will they do? So, yeah, that's all 32 NFL teams. Um, and, yeah, we will move on. So I want to talk about my rival team, the Dallas Cowboys, a team that I very much hate. Um, I want to talk about what they're going to do, what I think they should do with the 16th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. I think they have one route to go. Well, they have two potential routes to go. So currently the Dallas Cowboys have $71 million in cat space. They're about to lose probably 40 to 50 almost million of that to two players, those two players being Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. They'll probably also go with um, Randall Cobb as well, who had a surprisingly good year for them out of the slot. The odd man out there is Byron Jones. And also, um, currently, starting uh, starting strong... I cannot speak today. <laughs> starting strong safety, Jeff Heath is about to hit rest- uh, unrestricted free agency. He's about to hit the open market. They will almost guarantee are going to lose him so lots of fans and analysts have them going one way and that one way is being Grant Delpit the safety from LSU um and that's not a bad way to go actually I think that's an excellent pick for them but I think a potential other way to go and I'm going to take a firm stance on this because that's something I need to do more I think they should go with Xavier McKinney the safety from Alabama and I have some film to back this up I watched a few games from both these players and broke down some of that film for you Um, this is going to be my first film analysis I don't know how I'm going to break it down on the YouTube side whether or not I'm going to put the videos in there but we should see what will happen Um, so yeah let's just jump, jump right into it I want to talk about Grant Duppet first. Uh, starting with lots of the pros I have from him. Um, honestly, Grant Duppet is a free safety. Uh, he's the free safety from LSU, and his IQ is off the charts. His football intelligence is very high. His ball cover, his ball skills, extremely good. His ability to 
covered grass is very good. Um, however, I think the biggest problem with him is he misses tackles pretty routinely. Um, not routinely, but more often than you'd like. And the biggest reason I think you shouldn't go him is because of his poor tackles. Um, flashing back to the Alabama game, Najee Harris, I literally have him running over um, Grant Duppet like three or four times in that game continuously. Um, you have missed tackles on QB runs, poor angles. Every time they put him in the box, it was a question about whether or not he could make that tackle against a bigger running back. Against most running backs, he will not miss a tackle. Against most players, most wide receivers, he will not miss the tackle. He is a firm tackler in space, but if you're putting it in the box, which is what Jeff Heath was, then you're not going to be happy with what you're going to get. Um, Miko Hartman, 2018, this is flashing back some 2018 film against Georgia. Miko Hartman just blasted past him. He missed tackles multiple times. Um, that being said, though, he's great at blitzing the quarterback. He's good at covering. He covers everything. He can cover the tight end. He can cover the running back. He can cover the slot receiver. He can cover your number one receiver. I've seen him do it. He can very much cover players. His intelligence is off the charts. There's a play against Georgia where he, um, their Georgia is backed up on their own goal line. Quarterback rolls out, and you have um, Grant Delpit playing zone coverage. He's watching. He's completely reading the quarterback. He doesn't see the crosser out that's going right behind him, about to go wide open for a first down. He does not see it, but his IQ, he's following the quarterback's eyes. He's following. The, he's thinking about what could potentially happen. He backs up, makes a crazy one-handed deflection, showing off his nice vertical jump. That is something that, that's one of the type of elite plays you can get from him. He was a ball hawk in 2018. His 2018 film was very great, but that being said, um, I think if you want to fill a hole at safety, you need to fill a hole with Xavier McKinney. I think Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, is a better fit for that team. I don't think he is the better player. I think Grant Delpit is a better player, but they're fitting a bigger need by drafting Xavier McKinney. They're about to lose Jeff Heath. Jeff Heath is pretty much their substitute linebacker. He was their sub-linebacker. He was in for all their nickel packages as that linebacker stopped. And if you look at Grant Delpit, he's lined up back, and he's not an elite safety like Earl Thomas, but he can cover grass. He's good at that, interceptions and all that. But that's not really what the Cowboys need, at least to my understanding. Uh, Sean Lee, their former all-star running uh, linebacker, is probably going to retire soon. They're going to lose that. They're going to lose Jeff Heath. What are they going to do at that linebacker spot if you lose your franchise linebacker, who granted is not that good anymore? But you're going to lose him. You're going to lose Jeff Heath. Xavier McKinney is the better fit. And I'm going to tell you why. Xavier McKinney makes those splash plays in the tackles game. I have so many times of him just getting huge tackles, forcing fumbles, coming in and breaking up the pass with very good timed hits, stripping the ball incomplete. He is... A pretty solid coverage as a coverage as well. He can cover the slot receivers, the running backs, the wide receivers. I saw him doing that multiple times. 
and he did it pretty well most of the times. So he did not get targeted. He had his player locked down. Um, and if you look at my notes, um, oh, everything I write in red is something bad. Everything I write in blue is something good that stood out to me. And there's way more blue for Grant Delpit, I feel, but there's also way more red, way more missed tackles, way more poor angles than him. And I think Grant Delpit is the better player here, but I think Xavier McKinney fits a bigger need. I would not be surprised if they go either way. I think both these players are amazing players. I think Grant Delpit will probably end up being the better player, but I think Xavier McKinney fits a bigger need currently, and they will go with him because... Honestly, these are the one, the two 1A and 1B safeties in this draft class. I think they need to go with someone in the box who can play the box more than someone who plays a free safety position. And that is why I think they should go Xavier McKinney. Um, just talking about some film I read from him. Um, he has some intelligence, but he's not that great. He's a very sound tackler. Um, there's a play against Auburn where he comes in and literally forces a fumble, doesn't give up on the tackles, ripping at the ball. That's something Grant Delpit doesn't do as much of. He gets more picks, I feel, but he is not that same sound tackler, and he's not that same fumble producer as Xavier McKinney. There's another one where um, some intelligence for Xavier McKinney completely reads the screen um, uh, against LSU, he there's a screen that's being called and he completely reads this play from start to finish it's game over Joe Burrow can't really do much at that point and just throws it away um yeah he's a great at blitzing the quarterback great at getting sacks which is something I didn't see Grant Delpit do much of though I know for a fact he can do it um he's just a better in the box safety, which is what they need. I think they go Xavier McKinney. But like I said, there's literally no problem. I would not be mad with getting any of these players. I think they're not the same Derwin James, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick type of safeties. But they are going to be those solid safeties who you can plug in and you're not going to really, you're not going to really have to worry about them making big mistakes back there. So, yeah, I think that's what the Dallas Cowboys should do. Um... So yeah, um, I want to talk about the NFC East currently. I'm going to make another podcast like tomorrow talking about the rest of the teams. But what I want to talk about what the NFC East should do. Um, I want to start with my team, obviously, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles are currently, they were first this year uh, in the NFC East. Um, they have currently have $45 million in cat space. They have, uh, which is 19th, they have uh, 10 draft picks, seven of those being in the top 150 picks. And just starting off, number one, the first thing that they need to do is get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. They need to trade him. There's been multiple rumors that he's the potential mole who's back talking Carson Wentz. I don't know if you can even believe that, but Alshon Jeffrey's just not worth the money he's currently being paid. He's slowed down substantially. He's not making those same impact plays he was making his first year here with Carson Wentz. You need to get rid of him. Second, we need to sign Malcolm Jenkins. And on top of that, we also need to do something about Rodney McLeod or that other starting safety spot. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, what Howie Roseman has done here is very a very poor job. His starting free safety is about to hit the, the open market. 
his starting strong safety is pretty much going to be a free agent. He's refusing to play if he doesn't get a new contract. You have no safety position back there. You have nothing to do back there without Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins is literally the NFL leader in uh, consecutive snaps played, something like 2,300 snaps played in a row, played special teams, hasn't missed a defensive snap in two years. He's an invaluable part of this defense, and Harry Roseman really dropped the ball on this one, and he needs to fix it by re-signing Malcolm Jenkins. Um, Number three, they need to draft two wide receivers um, in this year's NFL draft. I want to see at least one in the first two rounds. And they need to do this just because, like what I said previously in an, uh, another segment, they need to focus on getting talent at the wide receiver position around Carson Wentz and getting going in the draft and drafting someone like Denzel Mims, someone like Henry Ruggs if he falls. is That's exactly what you need for this team. Um, I think the biggest need, the biggest surprise needs that most NFL fans are not talking about is prioritize defensive line early in the draft. Um, defensive line is the second biggest need on this team outside of wide receiver. And most fans are not going to take that from me. They're going to say cornerback or safety. I think if Malcolm comes back, safety is a less of a priority. If Rodney McLeod's back as well, that's not a priority at all for right now. Like to win right now, you're going to need to sign someone later on. Someone like, um, Jeremy... Lin Chen, I think his name is. Um, one of those big safeties from those D2 schools. There's like a lot of someone like Ashton Davis as well from Cal. Um, those are safeties that you can focus on later in the draft. But you need to focus on D-line early. Draft someone like, if someone in the first round like AJ Epinesa falls. Or someone, you can get someone like, I don't even know. But if you can get someone who's an elite pass rusher to stock up that defensive line, because Brandon Graham's probably going to be gone after this season, most likely. Um, and if you can do something like that, fix stack up that defensive line early, it's going to very much cover up the holes at corner you're going to have. And fifth, I think they should not overspend on Byron Jones, and they could focus on signing someone like James Bradbury instead. I really like James Bradbury. He's literally played against Michael Thomas and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Julio Jones. Like those are, That's like six of his games every single year. He plays the number one wide receiver every single game. He falls them all over the field. He has the potential to be an elite quarterback, and I think he's a very good corner. And if you're going to spend at cornerback, which I think the Eagles are going to do this offseason, James Bradbury is a better bet. He's going to cost less than Byron Jones, and I think he's a, a probably a better cover corner when push comes to shove. Moving on to the Dallas Cowboys, they have $71 million in cast space, which is sixth, and they have... Seven picks in this year's draft, uh, with four being in the top 150 picks. Um, so yeah, um, Dak Prescott. The biggest free agents right now are Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, and Byron Jones. Like I said previously in the ego segment, I believe Byron Jones is 100% going to go. So moving on to their biggest needs and their biggest moves, the things that they should prioritize doing. Number one is re-sign Dak Prescott. Number two is re-sign Amari Cooper. Like those are two things you very much need to focus on. Go all in on that. Um, get that quarterback. Get that receiver. Get that offensive. Um, get that offensive juices flowing and keep your starting two play- good players. 
Number three, I think you need to prioritize safety and DB early. Like I said in another Xavier uh, McKinney versus Grant Duppet film breakdown in air quotes. I don't think it's long enough to be a film breakdown, but one of those, you need to draft one of those two safeties. I think they go Xavier McKinney to fix that, uh, fit that more strong safety mold. Grant Duppet is probably the better player, and they can go that way. But they need to get someone to replace Byron Jones, someone to replace Jeff Heath, someone to replace that secondary. Um, moving on, I think they should re-sign Randall Cobb. And again, get Amari Cooper in the building, get Randall Cobb in the building, get Jack Prescott back in the building, and just go all in on working on keeping that offensive mojo going. It was pretty solid, pretty good the entire year, I think, and you want to keep that going. And getting rid of Randall Cobb is not going to help that. Um in fifth, I think they should focus on defensive line early. They drafted Taco Charlton from Michigan. He's now on the Dolphins. He was a massive bust. I think they need to prioritize getting someone on the D-line other than um, DeMarcus Lawrence. Robert Quinn was pretty solid. He might be a free agent. I forget, to be honest. But D-line is another huge focus for them. And that is something they should very much work on. Um Anyway, moving on to the Redskins. The Washington Redskins, they made some really good moves, like I said, by firing Bruce Allen, hiring Ron Rivera, getting that nice culture change. Um, they have $62 million in, um, in room, which is ninth, and they have seven picks, five being in the top 150. Um, what they need to do is draft Chase Young, the defensive lineman, from Ohio State with their second overall pick in the draft. And they need to do they need to fall a similar mold to what they um San Francisco 49ers did. San Francisco 49ers invested years of first round picks into the defensive line and now it's paying dividends with them completely popping off and dominating everyone at the line of scrimmage. They've already had Josh Allen, a former Alabama player, uh, at the D line. If they get Chase Young, it's gonna be a beast, Matt Ionitis. They have old Ryan Kerrigan, Josh Sweat, a former first-round pick as well from last year. Daron Payne, another former first-round pick. They have lots of first-round picks at the defensive line position, and investing in that position is going to help that rotation go. They're going to have more guys being fresh, more guys continuously just amped, ready to go, ready to get after the quarterback. Chase Young's a generational prospect, probably Miles Garrett territory, probably maybe even better than Miles Garrett. I think. You can't go wrong in this pick. You need to fix that defense, and Chase Young is a great way to go off of that. Um, second, they need to trade uh, Trent Williams to a team like the Cleveland Browns. They need to recoup picks. They need He's not going to play for them anymore after they the medical team literally misdiagnosed his cancer on his head and said it was nothing. Uh, it was actually a rare tumor. So just a slight oop, just a little bit of a mess up on there. On that front, um, they need to draft someone early if they can. Maybe recoup, recoup like a first-round pick for Trent Williams to the Browns. A draft someone like Tr- uh, Tristan. Um, well, Tristan Worst would have already been gone by then. But I think someone like the Browns could very much trade some high draft capital for Trent Williams because someone like Tristan Worst and someone like Cedric Wills. Uh, the tackles from Iowa and Alabama, who are pretty much the best tackles in this draft class. Both those guys might be gone. The, the Browns need to have a whole offensive tackle. And someone like 
Trent Williams can fix that. It'll be a win-win trade for both. He doesn't want to play for the Redskins anymore. They'll get draft picks. The Browns will get, you know, a better offensive line to help Baker Mayfield out. It's a win-win for everyone. Um, third, Brandon Sheriff, the offensive guard. I believe there are some reports of him getting re-signed soon, and I believe those. I hope those are true because you need to solidify that offensive line. If you're going to lose one of your starters, you need to keep another one. Brandon Sheriff is a pretty solid to elite guy, and he's a good guy you want to keep on your team. Fourth, let Paul Richardson, a former wide receiver from Seattle, walk. He has not been good. He's been injured. He hasn't been – literally has not produced that much at all. And going on with that, you need to focus on wide receiver earlier in the draft or even later in this draft class. Go after someone like Robbie uh, Anderson. Go after someone who I've said his name multiple times, but Denzel Mims, a wide receiver from Baylor. Go along with someone like that. You need to get some. Uh, you need to get some playmakers around your young quarterback and Dwayne Haskins. Other than Terry McLaurin, uh, Vernon Davis is retired. You need to get some more playmakers, and you need people to get their hands on the ball more. And drafting someone or charging someone in free agency is probably the way to go. And finally, um, they need to sign someone like Big V at offensive tackle. Big V being Halapuli Vati Vatai, the offensive tackle from the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe Big V will leave in free agency, unfortunately, but I think this is good for a team like the Redskins. They can sign him, work on him, and potentially get a Trent Williams replacement. Not the same caliber player, but you get a solid tackle who won't make as many mistakes as you can and as you want as you think. And he would be a solid player for you to build your franchise around. So yeah, those are the moves that the Redskins should make. Moving on to the New York Giants. They are fifth in the NFL uh, with cap space with $78 million. They have 10 picks and five being in the top 150. And the first thing they should do is draft Tristan, no, sorry, draft Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle for Alabama. Um, Eric Flowers was a bust. He's not even on the team anymore. Nate Solder should probably be released. He's been a huge letdown if they overpaid for him. Jedrick Wills is a generational all-pro type of talent at the offensive tackle position, and I believe you cannot go wrong with this pick. Draft him at fourth. He's not going to be gone by then. Go for him. Go all in. Build that offensive line and help protect Daniel Jones, your franchise quarterback's blindside for the next few years. Second, uh, re-sign Leonard Williams. Um, you need to solidify that defensive line, and you trade him for Leonard, Leonard Williams this offseason. It's not going to look good if you let him go. So re-sign him and stack up that defensive line again. And moving on, I think they should try to target someone like Jadavion Clowney or DJ, DJ Reader, the defense tackle from Houston, someone like Eric Armstead or Dante Fowler, um, both as players being from the 49ers and the Rams, respectively. They need to go after D-line. They, their pass rush was pretty abysmal after losing Olivier Vernon and JPP. So JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, the previous year, I believe, they need to solidify that pass rush and Best way to do that is to focus on one of these big-name guys, and I think they should. And moving on again, with the offensive line perspective, they should sign Joe Thune, slash Tooney, the offensive lineman from New England. Um, he's the guard. They need to solidify that. They have Will Hernandez playing one guard spot. He That's a good pick. You can get Joe Thune to play the other, solidify the offensive line. You can get three solid players in that offensive line, and that's very good. And... They have a lot of cat space, the Giants, so a lot of these moves are going to be signing people. And I think another move they should focus on is signing Corey Littleton or Joe Sherbert. Corey Littleton being the linebacker from 
LA, the LA Rams, and Joe Sherbert being the linebacker from the Cleveland Browns. You need to sign a linebacker. Um, their linebackers were pretty bad. Alex Ogerty was not a good trade for them uh, from the Rams in the previous years. So they need to solidify the linebacker spot, and that's what you can do with both his players. And finally, draft a wide receiver. Um, you have Darius Slayton, who was pretty good. You have Golden Tate, who was also pretty good. You need to draft someone else, another a true number one wide receiver. I think Justin Jefferson, KJ Hamler, someone like Jalen Rago, the wide receiver from TCU. All three of those guys are very good options for them in the, like the second round, and you can't go wrong with that. So, yeah, that's my Giants breakdown. So I think that's all I have for you guys today. Um, thanks for listening. Share this podcast. Do all that good jazz. Follow. Do everything you can to support me. Um, I'm going to try to do podcasts now because school is canceled for the next few weeks with coronavirus, and I'm super bored. Anyway, that's all I got for you. So. Yeah.